Show coming to you live from the mobile Kintech studio today. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotic provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Be part of the show. Text in 650 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Pick Nazar and Josh Elliott Wolf on location over at Twaston Springs today for Challenger Baseball, supporting uh, Jay's Care's adaptive baseball program. Uh, many celebrities on hand, including our next guest, Brad Hunt, longtime NHLer, 10 years in the show, and, of course, former Vancouver Canuck. Brad, how are you? I'm doing great. You can't call me a celebrity, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't call ourselves a celebrity. We've got to call somebody a celebrity, and, and the people that come by the booth are, are our celebs. Today. Yeah. No, I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Beautiful day and a beautiful cause. Uh, what's uh, been going on this summer? How are you doing? It's been doing great. I mean, we just live up, my wife, uh, my son and I, we live up in Point Roberts in the summer, so just up the hill here, and uh, yeah, it's a, such a beautiful place, and uh, we, lo- we love it here, man. There's so many great people. Everyone's super friendly. We, we just love the summers here. Are you confident in your golf game going into this right now? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's good. I just don't, I don't get out as much as I'd like to anymore, obviously. Training, training comes first. Hockey comes first, and yeah. I mean, uh, family comes first. But then hockey is a close second there. So it's a uh, my golf game doesn't get too much attention anymore. That's for sure. Fair. Now you know we're not here to uh, talk about your golf game. <laughs> At an event like this, it, it, it's a great opportunity to you know keep uh, you know fundraising and, and pushing for a fantastic cause. And and you see, you know, we were talking to a former Jays player Lloyd Mosby earlier, and he's talking about dealing with the kids and and, and what this program does. Um, when you do events like this uh, and seeing the impact it has, whether it's the Jays Care or something else, just just seeing the impact it has uh, on the families that, that benefit from programs like this. Oh, it's incredible. And uh, actually, my family and I, we became very close with, with a family that when we were in Oklahoma City, and we st- still keep in contact with them. And right on. Yeah, his name's Chase, and uh, he's like my little brother now. You know, like it's so cool how you can build relationships and how much it helps families. And uh, and not only that, selfishly, how much it helps us mm-hmm. um, when you realize like how 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 lucky and how fortunate that we are with our, with our son and uh, and how blessed we are that he's able to do things that maybe some other kids aren't. And um, it really puts things in perspective. And again, the Chase and uh, the family that we've become really close with, uh, they make our lives so much better as well. And how important is is sport not only to to kids but kids kids in all situations to to learn these life lessons and and make friends in situations like uh challenger baseball oh it's huge and and i was just talking with dave babish a little bit over there and he's like when you go and watch you see the pure joy mm-hmm. on the kids faces and it's like how they realize how much fun that they're having and everything else goes out the window they're just focusing on having fun and i think that's super important and it's super important for other kids to see as well we were just talking earlier that like 60% of the people that are involved, like this is their only sport that they get to be a part of. And the lessons learned from sport, like we all experience it, but when, when this is your only activity and you're learning all the, the communication skills and you're learning all the things that you know teamwork provide, it's, it's, it's tough when you see like this is the only interaction they have and how important this program can be. Oh, for sure. And it, like you said, it's, it's it's opening doors for them to be able to do more sports and to be a part of a different community and to be a part of things that maybe they never thought they'd be a part of. And uh, again, it's so nice for us to see. And I mean, we're just such a small part in just showing up and, and mm-hmm. golfing, but it, it does help and it, it does put the word out there that it's 
so important to include everybody in sport, and um, that's no, no matter what. Talking to uh, NHLer Brad Hunt. Uh, by the table here over at Challenger Baseball uh, program today over at Tawasson Springs, uh, getting ready for year 11 for you. So, uh, you know, when, when you're at this stage, uh, how does the off season change for you? Oh, I think, I don't know. You just got to work harder and harder as you get older and older, right? <laughs> you got to keep up with the young kids. No, it's so fun. Um, there's nothing that I enjoy doing more than playing hockey. And uh, the people that you get to meet, it's like doing stuff like this. You get to meet so many great people that, are, so, are not completely involved in hockey, but are, are always attached. You always see people around, and um, those relationships you build are incredible. And uh, like I said, I love this game more than a lot of things on the earth, and uh, I just want to keep playing forever. But, uh, yeah, no, the summers are great. Um, it keeps you young, going to the gym every day, trying to keep up with the kids. And, uh, yeah, no, it's a blast. In terms of off-season training, not only, like, as you, as you get older, it, it, it's a little more difficult, but have things changed based on, like, how hard you have to train just in general from when you entered the league to, to now? I, I think so. Things obviously develop and uh, advance as, as even just with technology as things go on year by year. But, um, yeah, with our training, uh, it's pretty much, you. I mean, you just go as hard as you can all the time. And uh, and it's so fun. You go there, you get a good workout, you get a good sweat. Um, our trainer is awesome. His name's Kai Hane, and then uh, he treats us so well. He super, he cares about us. He keeps in touch touch with us throughout the out the seasons, and uh, he's became a family member as well. You know, like we become really close. Uh, what uh, geeks you up about the uh, the upcoming AF season? Oh, it's so exciting. Every time you can, every time you get a chance to put an NHL jersey on, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Colorado Avalanche have been nothing but great to me. I great experience last year obviously we would have liked to go a lot farther and win but uh i learned so much and uh it just shows that even though i'm 35 years old uh you can still learn every single year every single day and um i think that's what keeps you going almost if you're if you're done learning maybe it's time to to move on and look for something else but yeah no i'm super psyched uh great group of guys really got along with everybody um they treated me so well and uh yeah looking forward to it so we hear a lot about Nathan McKinnon and how, how intense he is, how much he wants to win. Off the ice, is is he as intense as we've maybe heard about? Like, hey, we pasta, I'm not he's not he's not super into pasta. Like how how intense is he off the ice? I just all I can say is he does everything the right way. Yeah. He's he's someone that I actually I wish I would have played with when I was a rookie and just like and just watch him and the things he does and his dedication to the sport is unlike anything I've ever seen. And um, you realize why he is that intense because he really does care about winning, and um, and what he does to make himself the best. And uh, yeah, that's I got nothing but good things to say. And I wish I would have been able to see him when I was a lot younger, um, just to to pick up on a lot of things that he does. And I did learn so much from him, and uh, it's incredible to watch. Um, and you realize why he is as intense as he is, he is, and he makes everybody else around him better, not only on the ice but off the ice. What are some of those small things that you mentioned that you learned this year in Colorado? Well, just his dedication to the sport. I mean, mm-hmm. like what he does to take care of himself, what he puts in his body, all the things he does to make himself the best, how he practices, his practice habits, and everything is, is top-notch. And like I said, he's, he's someone that is, like I said, the, his dedication to the sport is something that I wish I would have saw a long, like when I was a lot younger and just realized what it takes to be the best, and he's, he is it. How, and sorry, how important is that for – because we, we could talk a lot about guys who are maybe playing middle of the lineup, bottom of the lineup, who are we're putting in a lot of work, and obviously it takes a lot of work to stay in the NHL, but how important is it to see a guy at that level, best player on the team, to be putting in that much work? Oh, it just makes everybody else follow. That, I mean, that's what a leader is, is uh, leads by example, and uh, you follow what he does. And, I, I mean, like, 
those guys, him and Kale and Miko and and Gabe, they were and Cogliano and a bunch of the older guys. They their leadership crew was amazing, and uh, to follow those guys it was a, a real pleasure for me. Is the impact of Landeskog kind of felt, or, or the absence there, because it's going to be another year, and it's just like you, you saw what the playoffs meant to that team and what he meant to them, and then it's been a year removed, and now we're looking at an, uh, another year that he might be out. It's like, do you feel the presence of of him kind of being removed, and just what he means to that group? Um, I mean, obviously he's such a big, important piece of the group. And I, again, I wasn't there for the full season yeah. last year, and I wasn't there for the season prior to that when he when he was around a lot. But I know when he was there, people listened. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, he's he's a true leader, and uh, to see him, just to see him around the rink and uh, trying to bring some positivity and uh, even positivity with himself, but with uh, what he's going through. And uh, again, a great person, a great family, and uh, someone that I, I obviously learned a lot from being the captain with the Eagles and watching him how he conducts himself. Um, as, again, something that I can learn as well. Uh, you guys, the Avs bring in Ryan Johansson. I know you played a few games in, in Nashville when, when he was there as well. What do you think he can, can bring to the team? Again, nothing but great things to say about Ryan. Um, treated me really well. I'd known him a, like for a little bit before that just mm-hmm. from being local. And uh, great kid, great family. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to, to meet up with him again. And uh, a big centerman who's super smart, uh, makes plays, uh, can score. And he kind of brings a little bit of everything, so it's going to be really exciting. I actually wanted to ask you about one of your former teammates, uh, Signs here in Vancouver. I think you played literally with him, uh, forget even on the same team. Like You, you guys were the pairing, right, you and Carson uh, Carson Zussi? Yep, and uh, Vancouver's going to be so happy with him. Uh, he's such a nice kid, um, brings that big presence on the blue line, um, a great skater. And again, but I think what really comes down to it, he's such a great person, and uh, he's going to be huge for the locker room, and uh, guys are going to love him. Is he a guy that you think, because uh, we, we talk a lot here in Vancouver about who should be playing with Quinn Hughes. Is he a guy that you think could fit with Hughes on, on a pair? Yeah, I think so, and he like because he can skate as well. Uh, he brings that big presence, but he can move. Um, again, it's a, he's a left-handed guy too, and I know mm-hmm. we would switch when we were in Minnesota together. We would switch back and forth of who played the right side, who played the left. So I know he can play both sides. And, um, yeah, again, nothing but great things to say about him. Uh a great kid, a special person, and a great family. And uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he'll love Vancouver too. When you were playing with him, because you're, you're you're an offensive guy, what did he do that, that brings the most out of you? Because you had eight goals that year as well. Yeah, I mean, he helped me so much, and uh, that was his rookie season as well. And uh, we just gelled together. He was so easy to get along with. Um, we always talked about different things, and um, yeah, I mean, we 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 just played great together. We we gelled together right away, and you know that was kind of a, a good fit. Um, but yeah, he's just such a great skater and he was always, if I would make a mistake, he was always be there to back me up and vice versa. Um, and he, but he's a lot more offensive than people think as well. Uh, before you let you go, I, I do want to ask, how was, uh, the, the world championships, uh, that whole experience? God, incredible. Um, I said this before, it's something that I never expected to be a part of in my life, to be able to put Team Canada jersey on. Um, so at first I really didn't know what to think, but like looking back on it, it was like something I'll remember forever, obviously. And to win the gold medal and for my mon- my son to see that and my, my parents and all my fa- family and friends that have been there for me since day one to to finally, like, I guess, win something to, to like, say thank you almost. Um, it was so fun and so incredible. And my dad got to come and uh, we had to, we got had a little party and get together with the gold medal. And it was, it was so cool to see. But it, to put that jersey on is, like I said, something that I never really expected to do in my lifetime. And uh, it was incredible. And I would be blessed if I got the chance to do it again. What was the process, though? like the phone call and 
Like, was it completely out of left field for you? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just woke up to a text from uh, Chris McFarland and the Avalanche saying that Doug Armstrong was going to reach out and ask if I wanted to go. And I was kind of just like, huh? Nice one. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I just woke up and I'm like, am I reading this properly? And then Doug reached out, and we, I had a great talk with him. And like I said before, he was like, I'll give you the sales pitch. And it was more so like, no, 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 you don't have to give me nothing. Just <laughs> tell me when I need to be there, and I'll be there. And uh, I'm so happy that I went. And, uh, and, again, my wife was shocked, too. She's like, you're kidding. And she's like, you have to go. Yeah. And I was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it was such a cool experience. And I'd never been over to Europe before, so it was really cool to see that as well. Uh, Brad, uh, well, thanks a lot for stopping by. And uh, I, I hope the round goes well for you today. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, man. Yeah, uh, it cheers. Is, uh, Brad Hunt, longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canucks, stopped by the table here uh, as we broadcast over at Tawasson Springs today uh, for uh, Jay's Care and Challenger Baseball. One of the many people we'll uh, be chatting to. Uh, just uh, fantastic stuff with Brad there. What a fun experience overseas. So I think, you know, we, we, we kind of gloss over the world championships sometimes. There's mm-hmm. someone who gets this opportunity to uh, throw on the sweater. And, you know, there, there was so much made. I, I don't know, Tyler Myers did the 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 IG post of, like, worst team ever, and yeah. they go on to win the, the gold. Uh, but, but you see just how uh, much it meant to someone like Brad as well there. That's the, the cool part of the world championships, I think, is, like, these are guys that, for, for the most part, if the Olympics were today, they're probably not going to be on the roster. But for them, this is like a once, maybe twice in a lifetime mm-hmm. experience. And it, put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. It's like if you can represent your country at whatever the highest level is for that season, that's that's something that's irreplaceable. And and you can tell how much it meant to Brad as well. Uh, you mentioned Carson Soucy as well. Uh, now, he played with him in his rookie year. But nevertheless, uh, there's a firsthand knowledge of what it's like to play with a current Canucks d Ben Obviously, he's played – uh, with so many here recently, mm-hmm. um, but it's that element. I, I I feel like it's it's very interesting to see what Susie can bring out. I think right now we're looking at it and saying like, oh, Susie Ronick and Cole and Hughes. That's what makes the most sense. And I agree, it does make the most sense. But there's still some untapped part of uh, Carson Susie that. Who, to me, it's like that's the bet that they kind of made this offseason. We'll, yeah. we'll do a three-year deal. We'll see what this turns out into. But maybe if they've done this thing where they, they feel like they've bet on someone who's hasn't gotten the shine that they have previously gotten in previous stops, uh, if this one plays out, then that's someone who's got an exciting skill set. Yeah, and that that's the bet you make when you're like – you, if you're the Canucks, you also need a guy to hit to provide more impact than their contract is worth. Mm-hmm. And I, I do wonder if Carson Soucy can be that guy, uh, 3.25 for three years. If he can be like, – like, you don't need to be elite to be on Quinn Hughes' right side. But if he can be good and and provide more than just Hughes carrying him, mm-hmm. to me that, that would be huge. But that's the threshold, right? It's – you don't need to be elite to play with Quinn Hughes because Quinn Hughes can carry you. But yeah. if you can meet a certain standard... If you can elevate it even more. Right, but it's more about not even elevating the pair. It's just if you can handle what you do well, yeah. Quinn Hughes is going to succeed. Exactly. And like that's the step I don't think we've seen. And there have been some admirable performers to play in that spot. Luke Shen most notably, right? Mm-hmm. Even someone like Noah Juleson at the end of the year. It's like, okay, these are credible minutes. You're doing the... Doing the job. But it's still very much like the responsibility is on Quinn Hughes, and he's got to do everything. Yeah. But if we ever get to a stage where it's fundamental competency from the other person on that pairing, 
I don't know if we've seen the best version of Quinn Hughes, no. who can be a bit more daring and a bit more risk-taking to try to create even more offense. Like, the goal scoring from Quinn Hughes still hasn't really been there. We're waiting for this 12-15 goal season from Quinn Hughes. Because he, he has to be cautious to an extent. And he's already such a aggressive, pace-pushing D-man. Mm-hmm. If there's another layer still to be unfolded, that to me is going to come from the support around him than what just Quinn Hughes can do. Yeah, and really Chris Tanev is the, the name that comes yeah. to mind for guys. But we're that, talking about year one exactly. Quinn Hughes. This is not – it's not current Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine what current Quinn Hughes could do with that version of Chris Tanev on mm-hmm. his right side. And I'm not saying Carson Soucy is going to be that guy – but can he be close enough to being that guy, to your point, where Hughes can if be like – If the bet works. If the bet works. Yes. To, to a point where Hughes can be like, okay, I know that guy's going to cover me. I'm going to try to be the best Quinn Hughes I can be as opposed to – yes, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. He, like, there, there are few flaws in Quinn Hughes' game. But can he elevate it even more to a point where he's undeniably a top three, top five defenseman in the NHL? I'm just not sure what he can do on his own at this stage. Yeah, it, that's it's the thing, so hard, right? Because like, we like, haven't had a proper person on his right side to judge him. Well, that we haven't had a proper season in three, four seasons. Yeah, we had a too. pandemic shutdown season where it's like, hey, it's starting to bubble. His second season, his first real season, it's like it's starting to bubble. Shutdown, North Division year between what the team was doing and the the commitment to the off season and what that happened, that was a bit of a struggle. Last season, Green and Benning go out. That changes. Then Boudreaux. Like Queen Hughes has not had a stable full season in his career. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's like the same for a lot of players in their in their Canucks career, like you mm-hmm. look at Elias Patterson. I know we talked a lot about him earlier. Same timeline, basically. He, yeah. we're, we're we're just adding one extra year pre-pandemic. Yeah, and he's he's thriving. But mm-hmm. imagine what it would be like if he didn't have to deal with all all these other situations that are completely out of his control off the ice. And and it's the same for Quinn Hughes. Like we haven't seen a stable situation for this for him to completely meet. And exceed expectations. And we're talking about a player who's put up 240 points uh, in 280 games. 241 and 283. As a D-man. Yeah. And, again, it's unstable these last few years for Queen Hughes. This is going to be the first chance this season where coaches are going to be the same. I do worry that. It's going to carry over. Yeah. I worry that we say that because I feel like we say that most years. And then – Get in, like okay, but if, if it's some way the, the coaches are let go this year, something really <laughs> yeah, went wrong. You're right, right. <laughs> Things like, have hit. <laughs> it's it's a horrible. They have discovered new territory reality. of rock bottom. Yeah. If a scenario develops where we're where we're talking again and be like, wow, another unstable year for Queen Hughes. Yeah. It, something remarkable would have to go wrong, and so you know, over 82, he's going to be working with Gonchar. He's going to be working with Foot. He's going to be working with Pocket this year. That's going to continue from training camp all the way through to April and hopefully beyond. Is this the first chance? And and by the way, like you would hope a stable partner. Yeah, that's that's the thing I was going to say is like the obviously the reason we're talking about this is Carson Soucy, but the only thing that can make this unstable would be if Cole doesn't work, if Soucy doesn't work, 
And he got like no. And Hronik doesn't. Like, and Hronik. Like, doesn't you, like, that to me is just too many. Yeah. I but feel, I mean, I feel like, baseline. Whoever's playing with Queen Hughes is gonna have success. I've called him like the blue blazer before. Yeah. Like you just have to have a blue blazer in your closet because it just it feels good next to you. You, you. you just feel better in a blue blazer. Yeah. Every right hand demon is like, oh, this just life is so much easier next to Queen Hughes. I just look better. Yeah. So he's gonna make whoever plays with him meet a certain. We level. saw how much money Luke Shen got. Yeah. Mainly because he like the only one that really well hasn't worked is like Tucker Pullman. Yeah. That was and it. even then, it's like we didn't really get a long stretch of success. Yeah, and Tyler Myers to an extent. But he'll, he, the weird thing is the numbers, like the underlying numbers, are good. Look good. Yeah. Now it's like high event, <laughs> but they're they do like fifty five, fifty seven percent in expected goals and all that sort of stuff when they're together. Now it's a credit to Hughes, but it, it becomes a bit more high event. But it's still you could live in that world, but it's 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 a bit more dangerous, obviously. Yeah, so I think ideally, uh, going into camp, Carson Susie's got to be given every opportunity to be that guy, mm-hmm. and I think he was brought in with the with the expectation where, and, and maybe it's a a situation where they want to limit Susie's minutes a bit to start the year, and that's why they have Cole mm-hmm. uh, in for a one year deal as well. But I think ideally, by the end of the season, you want Susie and Hughes together. Is that a sneaky camp battle? Cole versus Susie? I think so. But it's also I feel like it's going it, to it's going to be difficult to grade how they play cuz it's all about how they play defensively to mm-hmm. an extent. And that's not something we can really evaluate completely until you get to the the regular season. Cuz even in preseason it's like unless they're so horrible that it obviously isn't working. You're not mm-hmm. going to know until you're playing against Edmonton and it's like, "Hey guys, Defend against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And if it works, that's great, but I don't know if we're going to know until uh, until the regular season for that. The the ideal audition uh, to start the season would be Cole and Hughes. I think that's what everyone's lining up to. But, you know, because we always talk about camp battles of, like, who's going to be the 22nd, 23rd guy? Jack Rathbone versus Hirose versus Will Lannan versus uh, Matt Irwin. Definitely Hirose, by the way. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Team Hirose. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> but, like, the, the, the situational camp battles is going to be interesting. Uh, this year too, and that to me is like one of the marquee ones. Like, who's playing next to Quinn Hughes? As much as we have this idea of it's going to be Ian Cole, uh, I, I'm open to the idea if, if Carson Susi shows out, uh, give him the chance. Is that more interesting, or is um, who's going to play with Miller and Besser more interesting, or is it that are we just like locked into that being D Giuseppe? Oh no, I don't think that's locked in. Right. So yeah, but like, I, I think the find, one who plays with Quinn Hughes, Hughes yeah, that's that's the yeah. most important. That's like the bin. I, I worry that this is going to be like the Sedins to an extent, where it's like, oh, we got to find a winger for the Sedins sure. for their whole career. And then you, you, you find Burroughs, and that's you great. You stumble backwards into uh, Burroughs. Yeah, I, I worry that this is going to be a thing for uh, for Quinn Hughes as well, but also Tom Melander. Mm-hmm. So but may, that's like that that's like 2025. On the road. Yeah. Who so. plans that far in the road? <laughs> I don't even know what I have Not for me. lunch today. I don't know what I... What the D pair is going to look like in 2025. Yeah, that's fair. But that's the, that's the ideal situation. And, and I think if you if everything was to fall correctly, you'd be like, okay, Susie works well with Hughes, and that's going to lead right into Tom Willander. The thing is, for this year, they do have a break glass in case of emergency. Of Here, hey, we just have to put Hronik and Hughes together. Yeah, that's fair. Now, that might be situational. And I, I wonder... I like. I just want to see them together to see how good it could be. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I, I think it would be really dynamic. Yeah. Now, there's two things that would have to happen. Either Cole and Susie both don't work, and you're just thinking, we got to put something with Quinn Hughes. Let's see what it could look like with Ronick, and that, that explodes. Or Cole and Susie are both hits, and right. you can put those two together, right? and then you can launch Ronick with Hughes. Now, I'm not talking like full-time, but... Uh, Situational. Like, I, if I, you I think, need a goal, playing Hughes and Ronick together should I be I really think the way it's structured... Because even if you're six demons, Matt Irwin, we're not talking about Matt Irwin getting 19 minutes regularly. Yeah, and I like honestly one of the more underrated signings this offseason for the Canucks, Matt Irwin. I liked him when he was in Nashville when yeah. he was starting to break in. As uh, long as he's not playing heavy minutes, yeah, I like him. But the, just the way it's structured, like, like I do think you could find a way to say there's going to be moments with Hughes and Ronick. Like we're going to juggle the D pairs. We're going to talk about juggling the forward lines. Can you juggle the D pairs and? Queen, you're going to get the most even strength time, the most power play one time, and you're going to be fifth on the PK. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we're going to get you to 24 minutes, and now we're going to juggle the rest. And Ian Cole, you're going to be number one on PK, maybe number four on even strength. And if you're the main pro- primary partner for Quinn Hughes, but you're fourth on even strength time, there's going to be moments when we throw Heronic up there, we throw Susie up there. I think they might play around with that sort of stuff a bit more uh, than they have or we've seen in the past. But again, game... Game situation, uh, always indicative of how that can play out. Pick Nazar, Josh Elliott Wolf, if you want to chime in. 650, 650, uh, anything that's on your mind into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We're on location today. For Jay's Care in support of Challenger Baseball, a uh, fantastic program uh, for adaptive baseball, uh, run in partnership with uh, Little League Canada and Baseball Canada, uh, designed to empower children, youth, and adults living with physical and or cognitive disabilities. Great hearing the story of uh, with Brad Hunt talking about programs like this that he's been involved with and, and staying in connection with the family uh, that he played with uh, and j- just seeing the the growth benefits it has for children. Uh, so certainly a fantastic program, providing an opportunity to play in a fun and safe environment uh, where you, know, you learn all the, the valuable lessons of sport, uh, just building confidence, communication skills, uh, and so much more. We're here in support of it today over at Tawasson Springs. More on the way as we're on location here today for Jay's Care Challenger Baseball here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Continuing on an hour two of the People Show, braving the conditions outside. We're we're the real heroes. <laughs> I say that like it's torrential downpour or something like that. It's a nice twenty degrees and sunny right now. This is the perfect summer weather. Yeah, perfect. I think last year we did this. It was like thirty-two. Yeah, just my, sweat my and talk like to twenty-three, and then I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a little too warm outside. Yeah, my limit's twenty-four, and that's like. I'm giving a degree or two to the people that really love the heat. Yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll extend it to 24 because I know people are like, 28 is my lifestyle. That's too far for me. Yeah, it's too much. I, I can't do anything after 26. Yeah, that's the, the – I, I 
applaud people who can thrive in extreme heat because for me, I nobody's just, thriving. They're just faking it. Well, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I applaud it. people who can fake it because I can't even fake it when it's that hot. Every ten seconds, I'm just, like, guys, it's hot outside. Just being disingenuous. I, I'm pro authenticity. I just don't lie to me. But what if they? What if they aren't faking it? What if they legitimately are? Some thriving? people, some people, you can tell. I get it. But there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm not going to complain about the heat. We get so little about it. It's like, you know, you want to complain. You want to complain about it. It's okay. Yeah. Just just be yourself. Yeah. Don't like, don't convince me that, like, 36 degrees is is, is your, your wheelhouse. No. It's okay to want one at mid-20s. That's fine. We'll let you we'll let you have that. With, like, a sprinkling of cloud. Yeah. There's a, a little, good breeze. There's a little white in the sky today. That's fine. It's not overwhelming. It's not taking it over. We're getting our sunshine, and the breeze is the big one. Yeah. 23 with, like, a gentle summer breeze. Oh, man. Can't beat that weather. Feels so warm and cozy. You can golf. Yeah. You can go swimming. This is, I will say, anything. this is perfect golfing weather. Very jealous of everyone out on the course right now. Because it's sunny, and you're like, okay, I'm not cold, but yeah. also it's it's not crazy hot. There's a few things that always tickle the Doug Bar and Lumber text message inbox. Weather's always a big one. We're getting a few texts coming. It's like, oh, 21's the limit. That's Gert from Surrey. It's like, I work outside. I'm dying out here. Working outside, I will say my yeah. limit would be if I – well, I guess we're working outside right now. Sure. But working a difficult job outside, my limit might be like 18. Because that, that's – That's real labor. Yeah. Like, you're sweating already, and then you're in the heat. I well, get it. Anything over 20 is I, – I feel you, Gert. The, the, the ones that always bring the interaction. Weather's a big one. Injuries are a big one. If I just, like, say, hey, text in the worst injury you've had, oh, people okay. text in all the time. Yeah. All the time. Because everyone's got a random story about how yeah. they, like, fell or, off something. Or the funniest. Yeah, sorry, not the worst injury you've had, the funniest injury you've had. Yeah. Everyone's got one of those. And and only sober injuries, please provide those ones. Yeah. Because we've all got the, the, the night out, the drunk story. It's like, oh, I stubbed my toe or something like that. I, I mean, like, a proper injury, something freakish happened. People always text me about that and video games. Oh, yeah. We start talking video games, we're, we're done for an hour in the inbox. Uh, speaking of injury, Shohei Otani. No! Oh, no uh, that, was a, that was a bad lead-in. Okay. He, uh, he was catching a ball. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I wanted to We spent, you. like, most of the first hour being like, this is the greatest athlete ever! And Josh Josh did, like, the, the surgeon thing, where it's like, surgeon comes out of the room, and be like, it was a long, arduous surgery. It was difficult. We came across some surprises. It's like, no, you lead with, Bic is okay. Yeah. Here were the complications we saw during the surgery. I wanted to get your heart racing. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I'm- he caught a caught a ball at first base running over to, to cover, and guy ran into his elbow. There was concern that he might be hurt because he was shaking his elbow off a little bit. Okay. But he, he, fine. Ju- he just uh, finished. He pitched all nine innings, shut out against Detroit. Ho-hum. 111 pitches for Shohei Otani. No big deal. He's so good. I, I feel we should be making such a big – like, I almost want him in a Yankees uniform. No. Red Sox. Just because we should be making a bigger deal of this. I and feel because, like we are. But we are not enough is what I'm saying. <laughs> I get Like, Aaron Judge Angels. last year yes. was like, okay, yeah, he's hitting a lot of home runs, guys. But Shohei Otani is Shohei Otani. I, I do wonder what it would be like if he played in the – in the East specifically, because mm-hmm. even if he goes to the Dodgers, like you hear a decent amount, like Freddie Freeman is having an amazing season, and mm-hmm. you hear a decent amount about him, but you don't you don't hear nearly as much as you would if he was playing for the Yankees, right? So, but <sighs> Freddie Freeman is he? 
he should be like in contention for MVP in my opinion in the NL. I don't know. I, I'm not debating the credibility of of the talent. I'm debating the the superstar level ability. Uh like how many page turning or actually not page turning. I should say how many um like put the remote down baseball players are there. That's what I mean. Okay. Like, so if, like he, if, he's if I know Freddie Freeman's coming up to bat, I'm like I still might watch a rerun of Friends. Freddie Freeman, I will say, is like if you <laughs> watch a rerun of Friends. Uh, Freddie Freeman is like the Patrice Bergeron of baseball, in my opinion. Where it's like if you're not a hockey fan, you maybe don't appreciate everything sure. he does. Okay. So you're not like stopping to watch him. For me, I, I really Joey like Votto him. style. Yeah, exactly. Um, how many are in baseball? I feel like it's just Shohei, maybe Trout. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, like Kershaw at his peak. Yeah. I was definitely like, oh, Kershaw's pitching today? I'll throw the Dodgers game on, yeah. and I'll just have it on in the background. But I'm not changing the channel when I know Kershaw's pitching. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it almost has to be – Acuna? Acuna, maybe. I, I was going to say him. But also the Braves as a team, you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, the Braves are playing. I'm going to watch them. Yeah. Um, That's probably Now, like it. Judge last year, and now some of it was you couldn't even avoid it. Yeah. You're like, I want to watch this different, completely sport. It's like judge is up to bat. Here you go. Yeah. Picture in picture in the bottom right corner. You couldn't avoid it. Uh, I hope we get the same thing for Shohei this year. If he if he gets near sixty, but we won't. At, at some but point, I hope we do. it should just be like I, I need an Otani channel. I mean, it, is basically what I'm saying. I'm sure Japan has one. I've, I've not looked into that yet. No, but like he is a, uh, and that's that's the the reason I will say that he's probably never going to play in the East because he wants to cater to. To his home country, he yeah. wants to be like, "Hey, I want you to, I want them to be able to watch my games at a reasonable time." Um, but yeah, Shohei Otani should definitely. We make a big deal about him. We should be making a bigger deal about him. Uh, this one, uh, we don't hear a lot about Otani because we are Jay's country, and it's it's said in the SpongeBob yeah. Yeah. meme. I, I don't know how to do that. Jay's country. I, I don't know how to do that. Like, nah, yeah, it's hard. Inflect per character. Yours yeah. was better. J E no, that's worse. Jay's country. Yeah, that sounds good. There it is. Uh we are Jay's country. We just saw evidence of Jay's country, by yeah. the way. In Seattle. Still uh Mariners brand is huge out here though. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and they're like I, I really wish the Mariners weren't back to being five hundred. Right. Like I, I really wish they were, especially if they were competing for a wild card spot with the Jays right now. I'd love a rematch of last year's series mm-hmm. in Seattle. Ideally, would be awesome. Um, I still want the game when Kraken fans try to invade Rogers Arena. Do you think we'll ever? I, I think it's only going to happen the other way. It'll definitely happen that way. But I, I just wonder if the, if it ever gets to a point where Mariners fans are so annoyed. Like, we have to do, like, the flash mob. We're setting up a Facebook group meeting, all this. Like, everyone start buying tickets to a Canucks game. Yeah. I, I want to see that game. And when that game happens, then I feel like it's it's that rivalry is real. Yeah, you would only it, – it would it would have to be a, a random game. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would ever happen, though. I, I can see it happening when the Canucks are good going down to Seattle. Mm-hmm. I just don't know – and maybe it'll take a really long time for Kraken fans to become that devoted, but it would almost have to be a response to Canucks fans doing it, you know? Yeah. As or, opposed or, or to or being like, Jay's I'm fans. annoyed about the Mariners not 
having their their home crowd there. So I'm going to ruin their one of their games. Or November not 18th is the only chance they'll have this year. Yeah. So so we'll see. Is there we'll not? See. There's only one game between the Kraken and Canucks in Vancouver this year. Yeah. There's two in Seattle. Oh, okay. I thought there was four between division. Uh, I might have just done that incorrectly. But I was mis- sure. I was mistaken. Pretty sure I'm right. Well, uh, you did you did say the Open was in Scotland earlier, so sure. your credibility is out the window. That's fair. Uh, text coming in. Jay's country, let's fly. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good. Uh, we actually wanted to talk about uh, uh, the NFL training camps going on right now. Uh, I think they're all underway as of yesterday. Yeah. Uh, QB battles. We're talking about camp battles with the Canucks and you know Susie and Cole and Joshua, PDG, Hoaglander, put Coles in. Someone could take a spot there. Uh, camp battles right now. Uh, way more prevalent in the NFL than I think any other sport, but some interesting ones at the most important position. QB, handful of teams uh, going into this with some camp battles. Which ones do you think that actually can impact wins, right? Because it's all well and good wins. that Colt McCoy might be Jeff Driscoll while Kyler Murray is hurt. Yeah, That team's still finishing last yes. in the NFC West. Mm-hmm. That team's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Even if someone like, wow, Colt McCoy, he looks pretty good this year. It'd be like the the Chris Paul meme where Colt McCoy throws a 70-yard touchdown to cut the Arizona Cardinals deficit to 30 points. Yes, that's, that's 100% what's happening with the Cardinals. So that is a camp battle. Uh, but how many of these do you feel like can influence wins? And we'll go through them here. Uh, but but which ones do you stand out as like, hey, this matters in the context of the NFL season? Um, I really only think the Colts, the Falcons, and the Niners. And the Niners even, like, I, mm-hmm. I still think they would have success regardless of who's at QB. So that one's to a lesser extent. The Colts, it's like if, if Richardson hits – I think that could that could play a big impact. Now he's competing with Gardner Minshew, yeah. and Sam Ellinger, who mm-hmm. played a couple of games last year. I have no worry about Sam Ellinger. No, they they gave the fourth overall pick to Anthony Richardson. Like I, I think it's obvious it's Richardson's going to win this because just look at the profile of players that we're talking about here. Like Ellinger's a bit of a running quarterback, but to me he's third of the group. Minshew's not like an athletic freak. He's fun, but he's not like he's the he's he's good for vibes. Yes. He looks completely different of a player. Now, mind you, most quarterbacks are going to look, look different than Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. But the thing I look at is, like, he's going to win that camp battle easily. Yeah, but I guess, I guess it goes the other way, where if he loses the camp battle, do the Colts lose a lot more games? Sure. and That's fair, yeah. That That's probably where I see it. Whereas, like, if so, in some of these other ones, like to bring it back to Arizona, if Jeff Driscoll beats out Colt McCoy – like, they're probably not losing many more games, and they're probably not winning more games. They're, they're probably like a five-win team with Colt McCoy. Yeah. They're probably a four-win team with Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. I just wonder if there's more variance with the Colts than there is with uh, with m- most of the other teams we have. Now, here. I will say, uh, as, as obvious as it can be is talent, and you know, coaches always love the thing of like, oh, you're going to earn the spot, right? Like, think of Justin Herbert. Like, the minute Justin Herbert took over for Tyron Taylor, you remember like the, 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 the rib? Uh, the lung, pun- oh yeah, uh, lung. Sorry, lung punctuation from a needle, and it's like, oh, you got to go play. And Justin Herbert was awesome immediately yeah. to the point that it was like, well, why wasn't he starting already? There, yeah. like, there was, there's How no way to look at Ty- see this yeah. in practice. There's yeah. no, there's no way to look at Tyrod and Justin Herbert and say like that guy's clearly better. Why do you guys do four weeks of this? Coaches do love doing that, 
So maybe there's a scenario where uh, Minshew wins, but I'm just not sure Minshew's good enough. Like, the one that's interesting to me is Davis Mills versus C.J. Stroud. Davis Mills has litany of flaws, but yeah. I can understand if they're like, you were here last year, still going to be yours. C.J. Stroud actually has to take it away from you. I can understand that reality. Yeah, and, and I do think teams, to an extent, still want to, in a very ideal situation, not have their rookie quarterback start mm-hmm. unless it's a number one overall guy, Espe- especially if you don't expect to be good that year. Like, we're either. not talking about Bryce Young. I think they've come out and said he's QB1 uh, already, one day into training camp. Yeah, and for the Panthers, like, there's a route to them winning that division. Mm-hmm. So that, like Such as the NFC South this year. Yeah, like, exactly. You, you mentioned Atlanta. I really like Taylor Heineke. I think I'm also very honest about what Taylor Heineke is. I don't think there's any way they win a division mm-hmm. with Taylor Heineke at pivot. I'm skeptical about Desmond Ritter, but at least there's upside. Yeah, like, but hey. I'm like, if he really, really hits, they can maybe win the division. Now, the other one in that division is Tampa Bay. It's Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. If Baker Mayfield loses this, he's done. Like, I feel like the hate has almost gone too far on Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I I don't I feel like people want Baker to succeed though, and he just doesn't. As, aside from unless he's going into L.A. with two days of right. preparation, in which case he does. But aside from that, I like I I think people would like to see current Baker Mayfield have success in Tampa Bay. Aside from mm-hmm. teams that don't want Tampa Bay to succeed. But if he's like marginally decent, I'm not talking about like break the walls down and be, like, first overall pick style. Yeah. Just competent, baseline NFL QB. Yeah, like, not someone you, you feel like you have to replace, but also not someone that's going to put you over the top. Yeah. The Tampa Bay team is sneaky dangerous all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're all expecting the Tom Brady drop-off, but, yeah, yes. if, he's, if he's passable – you're not going to... Kyle Trask at his best, I'm not sure that they get seven wins. No. Baker Mayfield at his best, you can win the division. Yeah, you can get nine nine wins. In that division where New Orleans is kind of doing this thing where... Like they say, signed Jimmy Graham yesterday. Yeah. Who I didn't even know was still in the league. I didn't know he existed still. But Jimmy Graham, I thought it was a one-day contract. And it's like, oh, Jimmy Graham do a one-year contract. I was like, what is happening? You thought Jimmy Graham was signing a one-day contract in New Orleans? Go back to New Orleans I guess. and be like, hey, I'm, re- I'm retiring a saint. This is where I made my name. He gets a one-year contract. I, I, I thought it was like a, a Schefter parody account tweeting. I have a, I have a lot of I, – I, I have a lot of questions about Derek Carr. And I just – I worry that he's not going to be what they think he's going to be in New Orleans. But I also don't really know what they're fully expecting. But he's, like, baseline competent. Like, we were just yeah. talking about, okay, would you rather have Derek Carr or Baker Mayfield? I think the answer is yeah, obvious. Derek Carr. Yeah. So I think, I think you're probably getting eight wins with Derek Carr as your quarterback. Yeah. But I, I, I just I don't know if uh, – I'm worried about a drop-off in performance at some point with Derek Carr, at least in, like, with a new team in, in, in the Saints. Uh, 650-650, this text coming in. Uh, how about the battle for backup quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, which is obviously important here Nathan uh, because Nathan Rourke, uh, obviously. Now it's a it's a camp battle, and I, I thought when he when he signed with Jacksonville, I thought it was a fantastic decision because we're talking about instability earlier with with something like Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. If you're making this change, if you're someone like Nathan Rourke, you want to choose a couple of things. 
One, you want to choose someone who develops quarterbacks, and that's Doug Peterson's MO. And you also want to choose someone with some stability. He comes in there with with uh, first year. Trevor Lawrence has success there. So now you know, like, hey, Doug Peterson's probably going to be here for two, three years. Mm-hmm. They go and win a playoff game. So if you want chances to develop, you don't want systems changing. You don't want things chaotic environment around you. So here's your chance to come in. They recruit you. Here's your chance to develop. So for me, first and foremost, I'm less than concerned about what the depth chart looks like. I like that he chose Jacksonville for the environment. Now, he's going to be competing with C.J. Beathard, who's had some success. He's basically like a journeyman backup quarterback, but he played well in in San Fran when Kyle Shanahan was there, uh, or under Kyle Shanahan, Mm because everyone plays well under Kyle Shanahan. I play well under Kyle Shanahan. You, you I'm getting ten yards. You would be the Kyle worst Shanahan. person, the worst person to meet Kyle Shanahan because you'd be like, I think I can complete some passes now, guys. <laughs> I would. think he would teach me a little bit, and I'd be like, you guys can't stop me. You'd be like Kyle, you make things so easy for quarterbacks. I can throw a touchdown now. I, I, I'm going for one twenty-five, one and four picks today, but I'm getting that one touchdown. If there was one team that a, a casual person could go into and not a chance, not have any success, but like. <laughs> Complete a couple passes. It's the San Francisco. If I can 49ers. accomplish one thing in the next year, and look, I support everyone. I hope you have success, but I also need to like beat down your expectations of athletes a little bit. You need to humble me. <laughs> yes, you more than anyone needs to get humbled just a little bit. Like, do you remember Kendall Hinton? Yeah, real college quarterback. Yeah, went Turned into a receiver. Went into a Broncos game during the COVID season. Yeah, went one for nine. But he got one. A, a real NFL player struggled. And Josh was like, ah, oh, I could I could complete a ten yard pass. It's more about I could complete a pass that goes for ten yards. I'm just shoveling. Kendall it Hinton to a couldn't guy. do it. Well he struggled. He's I, he's not built different. No, I'm dealing with a Kyle Shanahan scheme. He's <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get it for me. I fully trust Kyle Shanahan to get to oh, create man. an environment that gets me ten yards as a passer. Was uh, Nathaniel Hackett calling plays? No, because he was only there for the one year. Right? No, that was uh, whoever they had. Vic Fangio, right? Yes. I think he was the head coach so. there. You see the stuff on Hackett today? Yeah. Oh, man, I hope he didn't open up a paper today. Opens up Twitter. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm getting flamed again. Sean Payton, uh, new head coach of the uh, Denver Broncos, double-barreled at Nathaniel Hackett, basically saying, I don't know what this was last year. Watching plays, I have no idea what this team was doing. You got some of the quotes there, I think. Uh, Sean Payton just uh, trying to revitalize the yeah the culture, and he know like I will say he's he's playing it up to an extent. Sure, but like coaches, generally speaking, don't go after coaches. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he said so. Uh, Payton called the work Nathaniel Hackett and his staff did with the Broncos one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, <laughs> and said there were twenty dirty hands around quarterback Russell Wilson. Ultimately, everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. Ooh, could you imagine? Nothing worked last year. Like, what was the most savage thing Rick Tockett said when he stepped in? It's like, oh, yeah, whatever the PK was doing wasn't working. Like, yeah. I, I think that was the most excessive thing. Like, yeah, we're going to change some things here. That's really about it. You know, there's the coach's fraternity. You don't really go after guys. Do you think the Jets right now are like, wait, what are you? Are sweating it. Yeah, they're like, Because here's on. the thing. Nathaniel Hackett didn't call plays in Green Bay. There's this, like, oh, the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur called plays in yeah. Green Bay. and, like, Matt LaFleur is a 
He's a really good coach. Fantastic. Now, Mike LaFleur, I think, previously was in New York, and so they bring in uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, there's that relationship with Aaron Rodgers. But there's still an element of, like, hey, the play calling struggled, let alone play design, let alone all the other things that they had an issue with in Denver last year. And that's what he's in charge of in New York. If you're a Jets fan, noted Jets fan uh, not on the show today, Dominic Tremati, uh still on his holidays, I, I, I'd, I'd be a little concerned right now. I would be, like, the the thing is, I just, I wonder if it's a situation where it's almost similar to Tom Brady when he went to the the Bucks. It's like, does it matter who his offensive But they had Bruce Arians. Yeah, and he's like good. Bruce Arians yeah. is, good. Is, is high pedigree as far as offensive play callers, mm-hmm. let alone head coach, let alone instilling an identity of an, in an organization. Look what Nathaniel Hackett's coming off of. <laughs> One of the worst coaches in NFL history is the quote. Yeah, it was uh, just one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's savage. Yeah. Sean and, Payton and does not care. For a coach to say that publicly, you're right. Like Coaches don't say that about other coaches often. For a coach to say that publicly, it's already probably worse than he's saying. And he's, he's said it's one of right. the worst. Yes. So it's just... I'd I'd have I do have concerns about the Jets. Uh, a couple of texts coming in here while we're talking about that, uh, the Jets, the AFC East. We'll get into this on the other side, but uh, someone texting in uh, about the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. We'll do that on the other side. Uh, continue the conversation. A uh, little preview of the NFL season. Much more as we are on location today at uh, Jay's Care, supporting Challenger Baseball over at Tawasset Springs. Into hour three of the program coming up here, the People's Show, Sportsnet six fifty.